What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Control Yourself Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by FunctionalAnatomySeminars.com. What is FunctionalAnatomySeminars.com? That is my website where you can learn more about the various functional range systems, which are, pardon me, systems of manual care, manual therapy, as well as strength and conditioning and body control development. So under the umbrella of the functional range systems, we have functional range conditioning, we have functional range assessment, functional range release, and kin stretch. You can go to functionalanatomyseminars.com to learn about those systems, to learn about the, the uh, evidence that, that guided the creation of those systems, as well as to learn about upcoming seminars. We have online seminars now for all of our offerings, and they are going on all over the world, so please go to functionalanatomyseminars.com to check it out. We are also brought to you by westside-barbell.com. If you go to westside-barbell.com, when you're checking out, you can use the code DRE10. That's D-R-E-10 upon checkout uh, if you're buying any educational materials or any of their gear. Uh, I recommend that you go to westside-barbell.com. If you do not know who Westside Barbell is or what Westside Barbell is, uh, they are a industry leader in strength and conditioning and strength development, powerlifting, uh, as well as a variety of other things. So please do go to westside-barbell.com to learn more. This particular episode was recorded a while back. Uh, it's between myself and three other instructors of the functional range systems. Uh, we have in the conversation John Quint. Uh, Dr. Mitch Broser, as well as Josh Halbert, and we are sitting around after the first day of a certification seminar that we were doing in Chicago, uh, and we're just um, having a roundtable discussion. We, we talk about a lot of stuff. We get into a discussion about the misconceptions of weight training, including uh, timelines, as well as tissue adaptability. Um, and the reality of those two uh, issues. We talk about the difference between weightlifting and strength training uh, quite a bit, as well as the difference between the goal of getting stronger versus the goal of creating hypertrophy. Pardon me, hypertrophy. Um, so we get into a lot of the physiology behind the differences in training for strength versus training to add more tissue to a particular area. Other topics uh, that we get into, we get into quite a large conversation about the biomechanics um, of the spine and low back pain and the problems associated with that, including some of uh, my feelings on the problems with the current research interpretations out there regarding the spine. Uh, We talk a lot about neutral spine and the problems that come along with that concept as well. We talk a lot about the ongoing maintenance of of spinal articulations and what is necessary. Uh, We also get into some topics uh, regarding soft tissue therapy um, and what it is or what we think it is versus how it's portrayed. We get into quite a bit of topics. Um, It was a great conversation. Um, I I really enjoyed having it and I hope you guys all enjoy listening to it. So uh, without further delay, I bring you a conversation between myself John Quint, Josh Halbert, and Dr. Mitch Broser. What is up, people? Uh, We are currently in Chicago. We're in Chicago, right? Mm -hmm, I often forget. Where, we're, where we are, because they just hand us tickets and we go. But we are in Chicago uh, for an FRC certification. And with me today, or with me for the full weekend, actually, I have uh, John Quint, um, uh, one of our instructors, actually three of our instructors, John Quint, I have Dr. Mitch Broser here, and I have Josh Halbert. Um, and uh, we just finished teaching a course, uh, and, and, and that's pretty much it. So here, we're, here we go. I have a question that came out of the teaching today. And, and, and the question I want to ask you guys, and you can take these one, what, this thing one at a time, is what is one thing, if you had to say one thing that is missing 
in most trading programs that you guys have been privy to, and it doesn't have to be necessarily an FRC thing, but what is one concept that we, we've done this a lot of times. We've, we've been all over the world. We've taught a lot of people. We've talked to a lot of people, trainers, therapists. We've, you know, looked and examined many, many programs. What are the things that keep coming up that people are just not grasping that if they just understood this one concept, it would improve everything else that they do? Anybody have, have that one thing that they want to, that they're, that they want to talk about? I think, uh, people are, um, they're not critically looking at their programs, right? They have like some sacred things like thou shall squat, thou shall have to do these like other, other certain things. And so when they, especially when they receive our content, when they're, when they're going through it, they're just trying to, like we always talk about, like they don't like the answer. So they want to massage the answer, mm-hmm. right? They're like, okay, like, so where do I fit this in? And it's like, well, we thought we're, we're telling you how to take care of the human. So like you have to fit your stuff into what we're trying to do. Because mm-hmm. I think, like, they're just, you, you build up these narratives about exercises and, and training routines, and you're like, okay, okay, I gotta do this, like, this makes sense, but I still have to do that. But then it's, it's just being able to, like, if, if we find something better, like, can you just let go of the other stuff that's not good? And I think so many people, they don't, they're not able to Which do is that. generally, we could, we could expand that idea to everything about everything. Like, the, the, if you're not gonna conform to, to new knowledge, that you're never going to change what you're doing. So I think that's a big the big thing is the idea that if you're told something that you're doing is not as effective as something else and there was a good argument to logically bring you that to that conclusion, are you able to change what you're doing? Right? And that that's mm. that's either people who learn or people that don't learn. And you talked a lot about like a lot of things times that in our in our training or with these people you keep hearing about these words, these these words that represent patterns, like the bench press, and the squat, and the deadlift, the Turkish getup. And it's almost like people have stopped realizing that their training goal is the human themselves. It is not the replication of a pre-patternized movement. Like a recipe or something. Yeah, like... It can't, it can't be that if there's so many humans on, in the world and there's so many different people wanting to do different things, it doesn't make sense to me that everyone pull, pulls from the same pool of named exercises. Like, it just can't be right that if you want to get better at tennis, then you should train, you know, with the exact same patterns as someone wants to get better at golf, as someone that wants to get better at darts. It seems to me that the body is way more complicated than that. And we're just simplifying ideas. And So, for example, we talked about this today. If you give me a golfer or a soccer player and, and you watch them bench press and you stop them to correct their bench press, I mean, why? Like, why are you making, why are you correcting the bench press? So what you're trying to do is you're trying to confine the variables of that person's motion so that they can replicate what you deem to be a bench press. So you're making them bench press better. And the question is, is that why are we now looking at the exercise as a skill as opposed to what an exercise really is, which is an opportunity to specifically adapt human tissue? Yeah, I think uh, what I try to do to help me understand things is you understand the fundamental principles so undeniable truths law specificity right like one of the things you said today is you can't move where you can't move so i think if you have those fundamental truths like the law of specificity and then you start to look at your training through that lens right and you scale it down to your training about what you want to actually do and you go okay well if i'm doing a bench press for instance i'm specifically getting better at a bench press but you may be a bodybuilder, and getting better at a bench press isn't something that you need to do. You need to use the bench press to get yourself tissue to hypertrophy, right? So I feel like the biggest thing that people may not have an understanding of is like fundamental truths or basic physiological principles, and then to be able to look at what they're doing through those different lenses to see how they scale out. Mm-hmm. 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 I think uh, like another thing that, you know, that comes out of it as I think people take for granted language. Like they just when we talk about all the time they throw words around like this is tight, this is that and then and, and then when you try to like 
teach people like, okay, well, what do you mean by that? Because they start using words that they just assume that you and I have the same definition of the mouth noise. They see. And yeah, they yeah. get frustrated because they're like, well, what do you mean by that? It's like, oh, but I'm, but just pretend with me so I can finish my point. And it's like, no, but like that's the that's the problem is that you're making your decisions on something that's not universally agreed upon. It's almost like the language of training doesn't have enough words to form enough sentences to really explain what I need you to do. Like, for, for example, I hate to cut you off, but a lot of the times I have a pro athlete come to see me and they bring their training staff. And I'm training them and then the training staff, they're, they're, I'm working on them assessing and the training staff's like, okay, so what do I do? What do I do with them like in the next two, three weeks? And I, I have a hard time explaining because the only words that they seem to speak is in predetermined patterned motion. So the only words that I can form, the only mouth noises that will make sense is for me to say, I want you to do a lunge and a squat and an overhead press because there's no language to say that your athlete cannot move into the quadrant of external rotation and abduction where they need to be in order to execute force into a ball to serve it. So what I need you to do is I need you to increase the availability of the quadrant that is related to shoulder ex external rotation and abduction. Like, that's what the guy needs. So what words do I use to explain that? Like, uh, bench or do external... Like, there's, there's nothing to say. And you don't even know how they're going to coach a lunge or a bench. So it's like, like, oh, I know what he means. He means put the knee down in front of the other foot. But that's not what I mean because yeah. everyone, everyone has a general... When I say the word squat, everyone listening, if they close their eyes, <clears throat> they can watch someone squat. So we all generally have this agreed upon, you know, this is basically a squat. But fucking the internet is, is full of people arguing about what a squat is. And that's because a squat is nothing. A squat is just a mouth noise that we use to describe a particular pattern whereby the execution of the pattern is confined by the word squat. So when I say squat, what I'm saying is I want you to move in a way where all of the variables are eliminated and I want you to try to replicate what I think a squat is. Mm -hmm. does, does that make sense? Yeah, which is just lower body flexion. Well, yeah, Basically, well, it's like, yeah, just knee bend. Well, yeah, knee bend. Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, what is a squat, really, right? It's, it's, it's not, it doesn't exist in your brain. That's the other thing that I find funny that people say as if, like, primal motions are somehow, I talked about this today. It's like this assumption that primal motions, like squats or deadlifts, or, it's, they're built into our DNA. Like, people literally think that there's programs waiting to be unleashed called the squat. But that doesn't exist in neurology, right? There's no, the program, we don't, there's no memory system available in your brain to be able to sift through a list of programs, pull out the squat one, and then press play. There, there's no one in your brain to do that job, right? We don't even have a center of consciousness, right? If you look at all consciousness research, everyone says there is no center of consciousness, so it's like we expect this little person that lives in our brain to like execute a squat program because they just had it in store after you're born. But that's not what genetics code for. Like the genome doesn't have a squat there. It just codes for protein. Mm -hmm. So to see something as like a primal movement, it's weird because you also have DNA that codes for quadrupedalism. So now what's the right way to squat based on your DNA? The question doesn't make sense. What do you mean? Squat with the stuff that when we were quadrupedal that's still there? Or do you only want me to use the bipedal protein machinery to squat with? You see what I'm saying? Like, what's a proper squat? Is like, there's no proper way to stand. There's no proper posture according to literature. So what does it mean to properly squat? It's almost a, it's such a romantic narrative. Yes. Because... People like you see like people talking about natural movement, and there's just people that happen to be in a squat that pick up an acorn. And like, look, like this is what we used to do. This is like our natural pattern. But what's that thing called? It's like heuristic. Like some with heuristics, it's like basically the fallacy is that typically what we think like feels the right, what what, what feels right, we think is the most right because mm -hmm. it feels like it makes sense. Like, oh yeah, this guy's a caveman and he's sitting in the squat as a fire. Like, we don't make fires anymore. We don't we don't squat anymore. Mm -hmm. 
but that's not how it comes when it when it comes to actual exercise and, and, and training somebody. Like we already blew that apart in the first summit. You yeah. just inhaled really loudly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which usually yeah. indicates you have something to say. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's like the same thing. Like, you know, I read a lot of literature on weight training, right? And I feel like everybody misinterprets what the actual message is. So, like, mm. they'll see the result, but they don't see the process. So they'll see guys up there doing Olympic lifting, and they'll go, oh, okay, really strong people should do Olympic lifting. Yes. But they don't, like, go back and, like, well, what did that person do to be able to Olympic lift? Because that's their skill. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then what they say, I think they make some sort of false association that, oh, Olympic lifting is going to lead to this strength or whatever trait, but that's not the case at all. Like, that's what that person has specifically trained to do. If it's a communist country, they've trained to do it, you know, and they've been selected to do it, and then they've been trained to do it, which is the reason why they're so good. But they're training to have a big GPP base to eventually learn that skill and then to be able to build special strength for that skill. But everyone's everyone's brain is only working one or two weeks ahead. Yeah. Whereas, like if we talk about the Soviet training method back in the they're thinking multi-year multi-year ahead yeah yeah it's the same thing we talked about today it's like what what exercises are you going to select tomorrow i got to be honest a lot of people listening right now they're going to select the coolest shit they see tomorrow morning on instagram you know what i'm saying like like that's what we're doing it's like on instagram you have a bunch of people making up all of these exercises and you're like ah oh, i i do this exercise in order to do this this and that and i'm like really do you if I go to your program, how many times do you hit that exercise? Have you progressively adapted that exercise? Or were you just fucking around and you'd invented an exercise and you decided to share it? You know what I'm saying? Because I think people... Which is fine. Just be honest about it. That's fu- yeah. Look, look what I just fucking figured out. If I go this way, it's cool. But don't tell me that you programmed that in because every day, literally, some people have different exercises. So, like, what are we doing here? Are we just inventing exercises, or are we trying to build capacity? And if you're trying to build capacity, what's the time frame? Like, I'm assume all of us here deal with humans exclusively, right? Homo sapiens. You don't train. Dog. Okay, so we only are privy to the machinery that is available to us by the Homo sapien, right? So, with that machinery, their physiology, there are certain laws inherent to the physiology. So we have to play within those laws, right? So we, we understand adaptation, and everyone understands that if you pick up a weight once, you don't necessarily get stronger at that. Like your bicep doesn't get strong. It takes repeated inputs. But people's programs are so short-sighted that, that you don't even get these repeated inputs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because when you look at all that stuff, you know, it's multi-year training. Mm-hmm. It's not immediate results because one training session has to build onto the next training session and it has to be sequential like that. Mm-hmm. What a lot of people do is I think they don't stick to a training for long enough mm-hmm. because they're waiting for this immediate adaptation to occur and it doesn't. Or they're waiting for the exercise that feels good to them, like you're talking about. Yeah. Like, like, like people select X because of the feeling, but technically, and I always say this when I lecture, I'm like, Think of an exercise that you're really good at. Yeah, don't do it. Good. Stop it. Just fucking stop it because you're good at it, which means you've accommodated to it, right? It's like, I say this before, swimming is only good exercise when you don't know how to swim because when you do know how to swim, you learn how to accommodate to the water so that you can express less energy to get more results. So the better you get at swimming the less effective swimming is as a stimulus to push adaptation. And it's the same with anything else. Like if you're... Yeah, and, and it's, a, it's the thing too, you know, it depends on who you're working with, you know. My background is a lot of it's in bodybuilding and a, a lot of people in the industry, like we were discussing that about aerobic training uh, earlier today, but a lot of people, like they associate that they're getting stronger in a lift and that's going to lead to being increasing hypertrophy but like you said they're just they're just figuring out ways how to make the lift easier they're not actually training the tissue so you know like one of the things that that seth and i do is like 
if we're training in a Seth bench. Seth is your bodybuilding partner. Yeah. Like the so, guy you train with. Yeah. 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 So, so, so one of the things that we're doing and I repeatedly tell him is like, listen, like we're using the bench press to train this tissue. So don't try to beat it with speed. Like as soon as it starts to strain and get hard, don't think about trying to complete the rep. Think about trying to generate force through the tissue that we're trying to build. Like it does no good for us to get better at the bench press because we're just using the bench press to lay down more tissue. Just to condition the body. Right. We're not power lifters, but a lot of people, I don't know that they can see the difference between that. Mm-hmm. Right. Or really understand our intention. It's like the same thing when you're doing a leg extension or a leg curl. You're not trying to do the machine. You're trying to contract fibers and drive force through those fibers to move stuff. Right. And honestly, I don't know if it wasn't for FRC, if I wouldn't have that understand. I mean, there's no way because when you start to do pails and rails and start to do all that work, you can start to feel tissue and how you can generate force into tissue isometrically. Right. Because you start with that static strength and you start to be able to use it dynamically through movement and, and you get good at being able to to do a hamstring curl, but instead of doing the hamstring curl exercise, you're training the tissues of the hamstring mm-hmm. in that confined exercise. People think you're splitting hairs, but you're not. Like, you're, because the no, attention is everything. Because they see you and they go, oh, he, he, visually it looks like stuff that I recognize. So I want to say that's body, bodybuilding or that's powerlifting, but it's not. Because the intention is what drives your training. Well, not yeah, because, okay, like. so think about, uh, um, like you said, leg extension, right? So people on people listening to this, some people will cringe when you say leg extension, right? Because that's yeah. not a functional exercise, da, 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 whatever. Multi-planes of movement. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's you know, you're you're it's like your Pavlovian response. Like if I say leg extension, you say bad. But the the thing is that yeah, when you sit in the leg extension machine and you look at that little fucking picture of that dude with no face who's doing the leg extension, and you're like, oh, I got to sit like this. So you're conforming yourself to the machine. And then you were doing a bunch of exercises, and then everyone goes, well, that's not good, because that's not how you move. And then we're saying, well, the machine's fucked you up. But it's not the machine that fucked you up. The machine is just a a load. Mm -hmm. You fucked up in thinking that you have to lift through the machine in the exact same way every time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 100%. Back to the the soccer player bench pressing. As soon as you tell a soccer player how to bench press, you are now making it so that they get better at bench pressing which is the exact opposite reason why you program the bench press to begin with, unless your job is the bench press. So if anything, like form is important for safety, but an exploration of form is important for access to tissue to adapt. Yeah. Now, you brought up aerobic training, and I know you love this topic, but that's another area <clears throat> where I think the same error is being made, right? People might not think about this, but it's like when you're doing, we talk about this all the time. It, for, at some point, interval training, hard interval training took over for long aerobic training. Yeah. And I think that that's again because our program, our process is so shortened into thinking I have to blow my load every fucking time I train. Mm -hmm. So what you're doing is you're trying to get the heart to accommodate pushing more blood through, right? You're trying to get good at the interval. You're trying to get your MRF faster if you're doing CrossFit or whatever. You're trying to get your... watts in the time or whatever, yeah. But you're not really concerned with the physical shape of your heart. Okay, so... Think of it from tissue-specific training to everything, to just pattern training, right? You're trying to get the heart to get you to do something faster, but you're not inducing eccentric hypertrophy of your ventricle because in order to do that, you need a slow, long-duration, you know, level two intensity so that you actually expand the chambers of your hearts eccentrically. Mm -hmm. A year from now, you're going to thank me for eccentrically expanding your ventricle, right? Mm-hmm. But people don't see that because you can't do it in two weeks. Well, it's, I think it's also like you're either going to be process-oriented or you're going to be result-oriented. So the process is that. It's like building building towards a capacity, building towards something, versus the result is like, wow, I, I, I got 10 watts higher in this 20-second Tabata protocol. Mm-hmm. Like, that was great for the day. But like, how, do you, how do you build off of that? That's what I'm saying. Because right? it's, what, what am I doing today? How does this affect tomorrow? Mm-hmm. 
but nobody cares about how it affects six months from now. And we've talked about this as, as like we talked about massage and the answers. Like all of this is only confined into the to the to the reality that we're not living the way we're supposed to be living, right? So you're like, how do I how do I fit like I you know I know I need to work my heart, but how do I fit this in? It's like, well, first we have to come to the end to the agreement that like the, the way we probably live is not optimal for what our body expects. Okay, good. So now we can take the, the weird constraints off. Like you probably need X number of time a week to stretch your heart to get the results you want probably need X number of hours to stretch the joints you need to stretch to do that. So you need, like, you have all these, like, columns of what you need, and then it's up to you to figure the rest of that out. Yeah, how because you get it done. Then you have the client saying, okay, but I only have this much time. And then the, you're expected to say, okay, well, with that much time... Oh, come over here. Just, <laughs> you know, I'll give you the same result in a shorter amount of time. Like, you would ever take the fucking longer amount of time. Like you're bargaining? Like, if it was an option. You know what I mean? Like, if I could take a client and make them better or stronger, faster or fucking slower, no one's going to take slower. But the problem is, is that there is no faster. Like, that's just how this works. I th- Another thing that people run into when we come, when, when we come and teach at least is that I'm trying to teach you the way physiological tissue adapts. I'm giving you the actual timelines that they adapt in that we know, but everyone wants to tell me that they only have 30 minutes with this client. You know what I'm saying? It's like, or from a soft tissue perspective, Mitch, you know this, like we're teaching FR or whatever, and you're like, this is what is involved. This is what need be done for this amount of time in order to adapt the tissue or to start the process of adaptation. And inevitably, a practitioner puts their hand up and they go, that's all well and good, but I block people in five-minute intervals. It's like, you know what? Your fucking tissue does not care about your schedule. This is not how this works, right? Yeah, and I think from a a therapy and rehab perspective too, working with usually people who are in pain, they always want to come in for that quick that quick fix and they kind of use the wrong outcome measures to think uh, or to understand how their body is actually improving and adapting and if they just go off the basis of they're not in pain any further instead of actually having meaningful changes in those outcome measures with regards to tissue architecture and the nervous system too um, they don't really have uh, a true understanding of how their body actually works and adapts and what will actually benefit them in the long term so I remember in Cairo school too when we would talk about treatment plans and like what are really like our treatment plan timelines for whatever it is a tend off the you would say oh you know you need to come in twice a week for four weeks and that's your treatment plan but realistically you're going to have very little improvement in tissue quality in that four weeks i'm seeing now that like i need to have that serious conversation with my patients and clients that okay this treatment plan is going to be three months six months to have meaningful changes mm-hmm. and it's it can, it's actually an uphill battle for me, which is really frustrating because people will say, oh, well, my physiotherapy said that if I just do this TheraBand external tissue for my shoulder, my rotator cuff tear is going to get better in, a, in, a, in six weeks. So I, I think this whole language and, and miscommunication, not only just between, or not even within the health profession, but also from the health, prof- health fitness profession to the general population, this misinformation um, is really a, a big burden and, and allowing us to provide from a manual therapy perspective or from a training perspective, provide proper services because, or um, ethical services and provide uh, meaningful improvements in their health and and physical health. uh, Because I think the health and fitness industry has gone so far one way uh, with regards to trying to make up this whole new language and bringing these new buzzwords. And now even when we do all these seminars and when I talked at these seminars, all the I'll be saying certain things and trying to portray it a certain way, but with 100 people in the seminar, I feel like every single person is interpreting it differently because those the words and the language in health and fitness has almost lost its meaning. It's not, ex- like, yeah, it's not expressive enough. No, and people, like, for instance, you know, people will say, you know, you sprain ankle, you need to do some proprioceptive exercises. Yeah, if you ask yeah, 100 yeah. people in today's seminar, what is, what is proprioception? You'd probably get 100 different answers. So just... And what exercise? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think uh, we need to, it was very hard, but if we just go back to those the fundamentals and the basics, and even a lot of the research that FRS is built around, a lot of the research is built around very old shit that's been around for a long period of time. But yeah. For some reason, we've either, either forgotten about it, or it's been bastardized, and we just 
trying to find the new flashy tool with well, blinking lights to get someone better. This is this is internet scientists. Yeah, <laughs> like you know what I'm saying. Like internet scientists are like, oh, it's fucking old information, right? I I remember this with students. Is like, they, it's like students arbitrarily think of a cutoff where anybody's thoughts before that year mean nothing. Like, you know what I mean? It's like I give you an article from 1933 about you know I don't know afferent in, in whatever it is and the person's like yeah fucking I don't go I don't go before 2013 bro like that's bullshit yeah, anything, anything them. and then what they end up doing they're, they're like in, they're like research chasers because what I, at what you have when people are like always I want to be up to date and only use the most up to date shit they don't know what they mean because if you do that every time another study is done that kind of contradicts you're, you're just you never continuously do something it's like for example, the Q angle in the knee, right? You know the Q angle in the knee, which is like a measurement between your tibia and, and femur. And, 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 you know, if there's more of a Q angle, you know, you have more of a valgus. Like your, the angle is higher, so your knee bends in more, if that makes sense to people listening. So now you look at the research regarding Q angle and whether or not it affects patellofemoral pain syndrome, Okay. And if you read the research, what they'll do is they'll take 100 people with patellofemoral pain syndrome, and even if they find that only 49 had increased Q angles, what's the conclusion to the paper? The Q angles doesn't affect patellofemoral pain. But that's a weird thing to say, because in the 49 people, maybe it did. In other words, maybe patellofemoral pain is not just... If you have patellofemoral pain and you have patellofemoral pain and you have patellofemoral pain, do we all have the same patellofemoral pain? Conceivably, no. There's a billion different reasons. And with your particular body structure, maybe you're in the group where the Q angle is important, right? There's other research, and you know this from Cairo School, that says that having a big gut doesn't affect low back pain. Like, if you want to go real literature and you want to say, does being overweight really affect low back pain? It's not a good correlation, right? So people will be like, oh, this fucking doesn't matter. But it does matter to some people who having an extra gut is going to put a weird stress on their back. You see what I'm saying? Oh, it's indicative of a poor internal environment. Sure. Uh, Sure. I mean, there's a a lot of things. Just having a big gut is not just having a big gut. You can have a big gut healthy and you can have a, you know what I'm saying? I wouldn't say that it's ever good to have a big gut. Yeah. But there's power lifter guts and then there's flabby guts and then the, you know what I'm saying like yeah. it, it it doesn't all and, and I think that that ends up messing up our research interpretations as well I'll give you another example with regards to that because we're Kairos this low back thing it's like I'm going to check and see if manipulation helps low back pain so I'm going to take a sample of a hundred people who have air quotes low back pain and I'm going to take 50% of you and I'm going to put you in a manipulation group I'm going to take 50% of you and I'm going to put you in a non-manipulation group and what you find is what you always find. Eh, the manipulation was kind of helpful. You know what I mean? But what's the selection process there? Like everybody has low back pain in the exact same way. Is that is that what we're we're supposed to believe? And now internet scientists will tell us, well, we have no way to differentiate the back pain. We can't be specific with where the back. Well, yeah, but you can be specific with how that person displays their back pain. You're telling me if someone displays the back pain specifically with flexion and rotation, it's the same back pain as if somebody says, when I extend, it hurts? So both of those things just arbitrarily get thrown into a manipulation group or a non-manipulation group, and we see what happens. Is it the same manipulation, too? Is, is it the same, was it the same position, or did you just say... Manipulation is another good example of a pattern, right? Yeah. What did we learn? We learned the, the lumbar roll, the anterior, all of these... And we watched people do it, and then we try to replicate it. But is everyone doing it the same? Well, clearly not. Clearly, not. that's it's not a rep, it's not a repeatable pattern. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think people from like from therapists and trainers, when they look for the, the new techniques or strategies, they're very linear thinking or patternized thinking. And I find too, like the more people I see in these seminars. I see that people can't really think for themselves. And when they come in and they ask these questions, they're a very linear way of thinking and they want to know, if I want to achieve A, what do I have to do? 
and they don't really understand, um, like we said, talking about before, like basic physiology and how the actual human body actually adapts. And they try to look at, like you said, the, the latest research or whatever it is to try to have, and they have this confirmation bias where they try to pick out uh, research or pick out these questions or answers that basically confirm what they're already thinking. Um, and I think it's very easy for people to kind of lose sight of what actual what the purpose of research is and what to actually take out of it and they just take out what they want that will allow them that will confirm them confirm their their previous uh their thoughts i'll go one step further further on this twitter universe i I think that some people actually think of of research as a as a weapon to attack what other people are doing you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. like it's like there's People who listen to this know who I'm talking about. There's pe- there's some fucking people tweeting out there that they're just waiting to see what you're doing so that they can say, oh, there's no research for that. We, we don't fucking know. We don't know how to do that. And then I'm like, what do you do, dude? Like, what do you do? Like, you're a therapist. This is one of the... When I come to your office with my knee pain, what are you telling me? There's no research? Is that what you tell... Is that what you say to your client? Like, you have a professional athlete in front of you and you're like... I'm sorry, I, I can't help you. Why? Well, there's no research on that topic. Well, is there other research that can formulate a, a, a logical-based scientific thought that you can execute that might help? I'll give you an example, back to chiropractic event. We have manipulation studies on low back, but we have very few manipulation studies on ribs. Okay? So one might say, I'll manipulate your low back, but if you have a rib problem, I can't do that because no research. Well, holy shit, man. Like, you can't make that theoretical jump to try to help this person. You can't say, the lumbar facet is a synovial joint. The costovertebral joint is another synovial joint. If I manipulate this synovial joint, I get these responses. If I manipulate that, I should probably get the same response. You see what I'm saying? Like, re- in my brain, and that's where I get questioned with this, our, our system, is I'm using the evidence to try to figure out what the hell to do, right? So I'm trying to use what we know to construct a system that can be applied to the person who comes through my door. So I, I want to talk to the people listening here. A lot of people will be like, you said, you know, FRC and FR, it's all evidence-based, but I went into PubMed and I typed in the acronym FRC and I got nothing. Holy shit, man, you don't understand research at all. Like, you have no idea what you're saying. I didn't say that this was researched. What I said was, the way that we do things is based on what the research tells us to do. Right? So, when somebody says, well, what's the research behind your system? I go, okay, well, my system talks a lot, our system talks a lot about isometrics. Try typing in isometrics. There's thousands of papers on isometrics. We also talk a lot about eccentric loading. If you want to know the, re- we can look up eccentric loading. But we're teaching a system as to how to proceed. The entire system has never been studied because, look at research, man. Like research is people think that there's billions of papers out there that, that talk about musculoskeletal system, but there's not. But what we have, we have to take the information. And we have to construct a plan based on that information. My plan is called functional range systems. And and people are interested in the plan. What's your plan? I don't have any research for that plan. So what the fuck are you doing? Like, sorry, you have this condition. Take it easy. Like, what's the point of your, what you, what's the point of you? You know what I'm saying? You you know, just jumping on top of that, I think, uh, you know, for the people that are listening, a lot of them are coaches, and it's, I think a lot of it's how you communicate to the person. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to instill a sense of like stewardship about their body. Like, like look, like when you're doing cars, this is what I tell them, when you're doing cars today, or you're doing pails and rails today, it's like, yeah, you know, you're doing something for the cells you have, but really you're, you're playing ahead for the cells that are going to replace the cells you have in two months, three months, a year from now. So it's, it's up to you. Like if you're theoretically 30 hours away from getting the hip, right, and maybe you did... Let's say you had a good week and you did four hours of stretching today or this week on your hip. You still did 40 hours of sitting. So I'm going to take two hours away. So you only have two collective hours of hip training. Okay, so from 15 weeks, you might feel a difference in your hip. All these numbers are arbitrary, 
But the thing is that you have to constantly work on the process because you're a process. And I think that's one of the more powerful mm. lessons that we try to instill into people is that like it, it's just an ongoing, it's a verb. It's just an ongoing thing and you have to, you have to be on top of that. That's like what Mitch is saying. Mitch is, like we're, we, we, we mess up the message a lot by saying <clears throat> this is a treatment plan that will fix your problem. But, but it won't. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you have an SI, you have an SI syndrome, right? Whatever that means. Your dorsal sacral ligament is constantly strained. It causes pain. You have a referral into your hamstring. You have a referral into your groin, normal SI type stuff. You come to, your, your, to me or to you or to any therapist and you say, I need you to get rid of my SI joint pain. And there's enough therapists out there that'll say, okay, get on the table. Why? Because well, I'm going to crack it. Why? Because well, it hurts. Okay, so everything just everything that hurts, you just fucking crack it? Yeah. Okay, so he starts cracking and another person starts rubbing and another person starts doing this and that. But in my mind, you have a shitty hip that doesn't rotate and you can't segment at your lumbar spine. In other words, you have no control of your lumbar spine and you, you, your hip doesn't work like a human hip should. Like it doesn't rotate, it, 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 the, the range of motion has gone. So I can't fix your SI. Does that make sense? Like my job is not to fix your SI. My job is to make your hip work well and to make your low back work well so that not all the strain is going through your SI. But we make it sound like, oh, it's an SI problem. I know what to do. And people literally will go into their computer, type in rehab program for SI problems, press enter, print out 10 exercises and hand it to the person and go, this is what I do for SI. That's what you do for SI? What does that mean? So if someone comes in and they literally have a knife jammed into their dorsal sacral ligament and they point to their SI and they go, this really fucking hurts. You're going to do the same exercises? Like, how, how is that, how does that make any sense? Like, SI is not a, it's, it's just a, a description of a joint. You don't have SI. Everyone has SI. You have a problem which is overstressing your SI. Now you want me to rub it and or crack it and or acupuncture needle it and or electricity it away. But the fact is as soon as you get up, you still don't have a hip. So when you try to do hip shit, a lot of that hip shit is going to be taken over by your SI, which is not supposed to be acting like a hip. So I can't fix your SI. You see what I'm saying? You know, you talked about earlier too, I think we are in, in the Uber on the way there, we were saying, uh, you, you know, you go into Joe Blow chiropractor and you go in for that adjustment and you're like, oh, you know, my back feels a little bit better. And, you know, come back in a few days later, like, oh yeah, it felt good for, you know, 24, 48 hours. You know, it, it, it fixed it temporarily or helped temporarily, but now it, the pain came back. So they're back in a few days later for that, for that treatment or for that adjustment again. So did that adjustment or did that exercise or did whatever it was actually help it? Yeah. <laughs> so we were talking about this yesterday, the definition, yeah. your definition of help and my definition of help yeah, are very, fucking different, very, very right? Different. Like, we're, yeah, I go for this treatment, it, it really helps. How long have you been doing this treatment? Like six years. How does your back feel right now? Well, right now it fucking hurts. <laughs> Listen, if help isn't accumulating help, it's not help. It's just, it feels not, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> what, what do you mean it's helping? It's just a little wave function of okay, like it's symptomatic it's, it's, and asymptomatic. It becomes a routine. It's like a haircut. Well, I go in and get my you know, yeah, that's always, right. I yeah. get adjusted on Thursday, so you know Wednesdays are my worst days because it's the day before. I yeah, and then they start to patternize when their pain is supposed, and then it's a crutch, and then you're just going in to get cracked to get this dopamine. Re- What's that term called? You said it was like hyper. Is it hypertonicity or something where the the, the basically the nervous system gets more myelated, so it just pl- presses play like people who are in chronic pain. You would talk about how... Oh, like central sensitization? That's it. Yeah, yeah. because the, si- the system keeps running that pain symptom or that pain path into the spine, spinal thalamic tract, thalamus, the whole thing. So you patternize but if you pain. Keep, you right? patternize pain. If you keep running the same signal, then even if the originating uh, pathology is gone, you still the signal still discharges. That's pretty much... And John, you were talking about earlier about you read research about how the, the, the type 2 fibers will... Change or you'll lose the the long endurance fibers in your in oh yeah yeah talk about that you want to talk more about that yeah so Brian Fox and I who's an FR provider we're having this conversation about one of the research articles on intervertebral disc injuries and what happens is uh, 
neurologically, you stop using that tissue because of pain. So stretch reflex starts to heighten. You stop going into those ranges of motion. Obviously, because biological tissue is stress-responsive tissue, you're no longer stressing that tissue. Thus, that tissue starts to atrophy, which we all see when we assess somebody that you know, has chronic low back pain. There's always just soft tissue that you can almost palpate directly down to the vertebrae. But then what happens is um, as that tissue uh, atrophies, the tissue composition actually changes, right? So you start to lose slow twitch fibers and then they start to transition into fast twitch fibers, right? Because now everything that you do with your spine is just this fast twitch, mm-hmm. right? So then you see atrophy and then there's uh, fatty tissue uh, composition that also occurs. And uh, yeah, it's one of the things that's, in, and then to, to, to run that into the system. So after reading that, I remember thinking, I'm like, well, you know, because how I look at things is I look at things through principles. So like I, because my background is in exercise science and bodybuilding and training power, all this stuff, I always run everything through that lens. So everything has to like, there's scalability of stuff, but it has to make sense. And so after seeing that, I immediately was like, okay, well, I wonder if I start to do low intensity pails for longer durations, what that would be like. So then my wife and I started running that into the kin stretch class. So then we're starting to teach people how to do pails at a low intensity, rails at a low, a low intensity, then showing them how to do high intensity, right? It's like aerobic and pails then, and rails. Yeah, and then after, it was funny, I remember doing it on myself because I actually have, you know, Talib calls it skin in the game, mm-hmm. right? But, like, I actually do this stuff like we all do, mm-hmm. right? But um, after doing it, I remember being like, man, I have a lot of tissue that was sore. It was the same thing. I was getting that shakiness, mm. right? Then when I would treat people, I would try to do the same thing. So it's like I would have them do basically a passive range hold in a range that we just treated. And I would say, can you hold this for a minute? Immediately you would see these tissues would fatigue, mm-hmm. right? Because they don't, like, mm-hmm. whatever they're using, they're just twitching into that range. But they don't know how to use mm. that actual range, so then immediately that's a feedback mechanism. This person doesn't have this capacity. So now I know this is what they need. Like, the system is failing. Like, you can't even hold your hip okay, in five degrees of internal I'm, rotation. I'm laughing, okay, but nobody can see this, but I'm laughing because in our world of, like, therapists and chiropractors, and I, most people would be like, that doesn't matter. Just fucking brace and just keep going. Just You know what I mean? Like, yeah. all that stuff is great, but... Just brace and then do bird dogs, uh, and everything's gonna be okay. Yeah. Which, by the way, I got I got I got to say this on 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 this. The fact that the number one go to exercise <laughs> to rebuild spines is an exercise where you're told specifically, don't move your fucking spine, is beyond comprehension to me. Like I, I, I don't I, picture this if you're listening. Straighten your arm. And just move it around. Now, would anybody call that an elbow exercise? Like, it, what are we talking or an about? Exercise. Yeah, so, like, so we're going to so, fix your atrophy back with more atrophy. So, essentially, what we're going to do. So, so Doctor Shivers. So, so, I was talking on the phone with Doctor Shivers, and he, he brought up a good point because uh, there's a there's an MMA fighter that I work with, and he's really ingrained in, in that exercise, mm. right? And he's like, have him do that exercise, and then take him through segmental cat camel. And show him that you have a dysfunctional spine that's able to do this exercise. Yeah. Do you now, understand? Like, yeah. And then, and then, it, and then it, it hit him. Yeah. Like, you see how you can't move any of this stuff. Yeah, like, why right? can and, you do that exercise? Right, people right. will give that if they're in pain. And people can do it, and it doesn't make it worse. Like, that should tell you you're not actually training the spine. Yeah. But, but slow down here, because someone's going to listen to this and be like, oh, we... Dre doesn't agree with uh, Stu McGill. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying the exercise doesn't have a place. But what I am saying is to ignore the fact that the spine is made up of individual joints and to eliminate all that and say, fuck it, neutral spine, chest up, don't ever move your spine again. I, I, ju- I just don't understand. Like, if, if I ask you guys in this room, and I think everyone will agree out there listening. Okay, go ahead. Like, why don't you understand? Because I think this is the key. Like, you don't understand because you're using logic and reasoning yeah. to filter. Like, you're thinking like like what like what everyone else has been saying. Like, you're running this through multiple principles or laws. Yes. To be yeah. like this, 
this isn't computing. Like, no. like none of this is making sense. None right? of it. And I think that's where people get caught up is they're not running information through these filters. Yeah, they're just saying, oh, right. that's the one now? Let's do that. Correct. Yeah. yeah. I think people don't have bullshit detectors anymore. <laughs> yeah. They have no idea. Right. Again, I'm not calling a bird dog bullshit. I'm, I'm not saying yeah, not, that. Yeah, not necessarily the bird dog exercise. But, but, sort of yeah. You know what I mean? But just when, you make, when you make these claims saying like, oh, you need to be in neutral spine all the time. I see patients too where you know, that they've been told to be, be in neutral spine all the time and you see them trying to pick a pencil off the floor or do it, anything, and then they go over to pick up a dumbbell and they go out of neutral spine, they'll say, and their, their back went out. Yeah. Well, it's because you, you've only ever been in neutral spine for the last 20 years. And then you go into surgery and get a discectomy, and you go back and do the exact same thing after that traumatic event of not only just the trauma of the back pain and traumatic back injury, but the surgery itself. And then you're told to never move your spine to neutral. I'll do you How one better. I'll, I'll do you one better. <laughs> if you take any therapist now and you go, that guy is fused at L four five. What do you think that's a problem? And they'd be like, oh man, L five S one and L one L two, like the joint above and below, they're they're in trouble. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. If you're like, if yeah. you're always in neutral spine, you just had a fusion shirt surgery. So, I, I don't. Okay. If I ask any therapist, if I go, what is the number one stimulus that maintains the health of human articulations? And we talk about this at our all the time. It's movements. Like you can't keep a joint healthy without moving it. You can inject that fucker with, you know, fish oils. You can inject it with glucosamine and collagen. You can stop eating gluten and become a vegan. You can do whatever the fuck you want, right? But the only way to maintain the health of L5 on S1 is the movement of L5 on S1. Like The cartilage of the joints making up L5 S1 have poor blood supply, as do the cartilages of every other joints in your body. So how the hell are nutrients getting to that cartilage? It's a physical process of movement right? You have to move. So if you're telling someone, stop moving. So you have a course of back pain. And now you go, wait a minute, the literature says that if you keep a neutral spine, you'll have decreased chance of another bout of acute back pain. But is that the goal? Or is the goal to make the back work right? Because if you tell a person to stay neutral, you're kind of trading acute back pain for chronic back dysfunction. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. what do you, it, again, are you thinking one week ahead? Are you thinking two weeks ahead? Or are you thinking about the rest of this person's life? Well, you should learn how to move something before you learn how to not move it. Exactly. You know, I mean, that's the, that's the, that if you get down to the degree, like a, a bird dog is just an isometric, typically in back extension, while you go through hip extension and shoulder flexion, right? But you're not, like, this. Most likely the source of your back issue was a lack of movement. So giving an exercise where you're not teaching movement, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. See, people will surface. disagree. People will say it's, it's not the problem. People will say the problem is is your lack of the ability to... Fire the multifidi? To, to stabilize. Okay, so, so hold on. What does that mean? What does that mean? Like, because your ability to fire, to stabilize, it's not a decision you make. It's a decision your central nervous system makes. Thank God. And, yeah, I know. Can you imagine? <laughs> what happened? I didn't stay. Yeah. Okay. So you're not making your central nervous system makes the decision. What is it making the decision based on? Afferents. Afferents. It. You see, it has to feel what's, what's happening. What's afferents? afferents, for people who don't know, is the information coming from your tissues that get fed to your brain. So when you move, the only way your brain knows how the movement went, it, it kind of discharges a pattern. And then based on the afferent feedback, it knows how the movement's going so it can make adjustments accordingly. Right. That's afferents. It's like what your body says to your brain about what's going on. But if you're moving and you're about to go out of, out of position or whatever the hell you want to call it, you're about to buckle, the only alarm system is dependent upon the maintenance of motion. Because if you don't move a segment for a long enough period of time, the tissues around it just go away. If there's an energy-dependent tissue like a mechanoreceptor and you're not using it, your body just doesn't keep it going for no reason. It gets rid of that shit. Which is, which is what they see in that, that research article that we were just discussing. 
that the, the afferent the, the tissue atrophies, and that it, means the afferent atrophies. The bird dog stop getting any movement. Yeah, yeah. It's atrophying. Yeah. So think about it and and like scale it down. If muscle tissues atrophying, that means tissue in general is atrophying. Maybe yes. they're just looking at. at at muscle, but if muscle's going connective, to, like so every same. spindles it's are all going, stress responsive tissue that you're not stressing exactly. Yeah. So the response is you lose it. And now right. you're telling me to brace everything, but I don't even. My brain doesn't even. It doesn't know what I'm doing. I'm just right. fucking squeezing and holding on for dear life. Well, they come at it from a timing issue, right? It's, it's that they think it's the multiphthalate not firing. It's, it's, so it's tricking the nervous system. That's right? what they thought. Other people are further than that. Other people are tolerance. so far off the deep end, in my opinion, that it's like That's they don't talk about multiphthalate. They, they just go, yeah, just make it stronger. Like literally, literally, but, you've heard. You know what I'm yeah, talking about? But, but literally, there's people yeah. that will, you have back pain. Oh, it's okay. Just, just keep going. Like, just get used to more loading. But if that's the, I'm not even joking, man. It's incredible. But if that's the case, why are people suffering from more problems? If if what we're doing is supposed to be working, why why isn't it working? Yeah, and, right. and why don't why don't you scale this out too? Like we talk about, like you can't move where you can't move, but people may think that's a suggestion. Yes, but you literally can't move where you can't move. It's a rule, which means that like what happens to the biological stress response of tissues in the areas that you can't move in? They go away. They go away, right? So at a joint level, you can call it degeneration. At a muscle level, you can call it atrophy. But realistically, that's what's happening. So if you can't move there, how do you strength train there? You you yeah. can't by definition like, and that's the thing you you run like what is strength training? Well, strength training is making sure that motor units, so the motor neuron and the muscle fiber, are basically being stimulated and fatigued, right? But guess what? You don't have access to those, so they're not getting stimulated and they're not being fatigued, so they're untrained. Right, like, mm-hmm. like you can't train tissue that you can't move into, so that's the reason why when you look at like, like, like Ververshansky when he wrote uh, uh, Special Strength, the Manual on Special Strength, he starts it off mm-hmm. with the ability to be able to move as the most important thing to build strength. Now I know people may just act like that didn't exist and go right into strength training, mm-hmm. but like you can't create a synergy for something like you. You can't move there. Yeah. Like, like you can't, like, what do you, you're not strengthening anything other than whatever dysfunction that is there or whatever term that you want to use. Okay. So, right. Like, it brings me back to the, yeah, it brings back to the scenario. The funny scenario is like, you come to me with a shoulder problem. I tell you after my history and, you know, all my whatever, I say, oh, yeah, man, your shoulder doesn't work right. And then you as a patient go, okay, so I hurt my shoulder because my shoulder doesn't hurt right. What should I do, sir? And then I proceed to hand them a list of shoulder exercises. What? what? Like, how, how, how does this make sense? No, your shoulder. Those those exercises are based off the assumption that your shoulder works right. That's what I'm saying. When I say, I'm saying you you give me these patterned exercises that are supposed to be for my shoulder. You know what I'm saying? That's under assumption. Yeah. That your shoulder works. It's everything's under the assumption that things work. Like I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, like every yeah. when I when I program an exercise, the assumption is this fucking guy can do it. But that's a bad assumption, man. Because look around you. Most people don't have they don't know where they are in three dimensional space, right? Mm-hmm. Like they just flop around their meat wagon like like I say at like weekend at Bernie's. If you've ever seen that movie, it's just like, whoa, the arm comes up, the arm goes down. Most people are so uncomfortable in themselves that the assumption that they're ready to do a snatch is is deplorable to me. Like, yeah. what? What? Like, if you give me a hundred people randomly and you're like, "All right, the water of the day is snatches for time," you might as well just beat the shit out of a hundred people. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like that's what well, you're doing. Yeah, and I like how if you're a progressive gym doing that, you'll just give them a broomstick. Like that's that's oh, that's well, what you we do. We scale it. Oh right, <laughs> so they're just going to waste three weeks flipping a broomstick over, and then magically they have the ankles and the shoulders but, to do that. Yes, that's right. I want you to whoever's listening to this. If you do snatches with a broomstick and you have a shitty ankle, you can get really good at snatching with a broomstick. But guess what? You still have 
shitty ankle. Shankles. You have shankles. And now you're expected to put load onto that broomstick. Well, what did we say yesterday is like when you give somebody a simple, like, it's almost like if there's not enough novelty in the answer, people dismiss it. So you're like, okay, like, you can't, you can't segment your spine. Okay, so what do I do for that? Well, you just practice segmenting your spine. Eh. Ah, I'm busy. Yeah. <laughs> I got a lot of, I got a lot of bird dogs to get accomplished. You know what I mean? I can't worry about actually stimulating the mechanoreceptors in my spine so like, that my brain remembers that my spine is made of segments and not one chunk. That doesn't yeah. seem like a good use of my time. But if you told me you wanted to write yeah, and you conceptually knew what an alphabet was and yeah. you conceptually knew what words were, but you're like, I, just, I need to write. Yeah. I can speak, but I can't write. And I was like, okay, we need you, you need to learn the alphabet. Yeah. It would make sense. Sure. Like, oh, yeah, okay, so this builds off of that and then they have words and then you have complex sentences. That's right. But it doesn't make sense when it's so simple. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, you sit for eight hours a day and you don't move your spine. Yeah. So now your spine doesn't move. Yeah. So let's start there. Nah, <sighs> I'm busy. I mean, I got to squat, man. I got, you know, you see, it's just, it, and I'm not, again, I hope this doesn't come off as arrogant. We're, what we're speaking to is the fact that we're privileged enough to be able to go from city to city and, and teach concepts. And we're just saying what, well, people, you know, people always think that we're against like group training. And it's not, I just, I just see when it doesn't work out. Mm. Like what I see when, when, when bootcamp classes and things like that don't work out. Yeah. Like we, that's well, most of my business is that actually, it doesn't work out. You guys. We you see guys well. Mitch and I see it yeah. the most. Like that's our whole job, right? Yeah. Like we see the result of apparently really good training. <laughs> Saying like, <laughs> and, and we see it so much that I can put my kids through school. Like there's so many people doing really good training that as a manual therapist, I'm, busy fixing but oh wait that doesn't make sense mm. why am i fixing all of these why are is is my office why am i so busy with with people you know that are that are hurt if it's just you know just keep going it's fine well you read a post and it's like okay yeah this 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 worked out for the genetically gifted athlete yeah it's great but uh, all of us collectively are dealing with the 99 percent of the things where this program didn't work out mm-hmm. for people yeah you only hear about the results the good results yeah Anyway, boys, so we've been going at it for a while, so uh, we're going to wrap it up today. And that's about it. Anybody have anything else to throw out there or plug anything? You guys are... Do your cars. Do your cars. Good idea. Anything else? All right, everybody. Take it easy.